All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's after 3 o'clock. How are you? It is game day on Sports 1440. Jason Greger alongside Connor Halley. Greger Show is always presented by Play Alberta. .ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where 100% of the revenue stays right here in the province. Uh, they got the boost bets. Of course, you can go over-unders, whatever you like for the games, or ALNLCS. Check it out at playalberta.ca. The Edmonton orders are in Philadelphia. Tonight. Busy slate of games. Calgary's in Buffalo. You've got the Jets playing. She's the Jets. How about the Jets? Did you see 11,000 fans? That is a big cause for concern. We know that uh, you know, Winnipeg was worried about their attendance. And it's early in the season, second game, 11,000. Now, hey, that's kind of a reality maybe of, of what a lot of people are like in, in a smaller market when it just comes to how many people have the disposable income able to afford to go to the games. That's just the truth. And and and, and it was Dubois, it was the LA Kings that... You know, it wasn't like no offense to Columbus or Arizona teams that maybe aren't big draws. So that's, uh, it's not ideal, but, you know, Washington had a sellout of, I think, 588 consecutive games. That one was snapped. Now that'll happen, right? San Jose's obviously got low attendance uh, because their team, well, their team sucked for four years. And um, their organization, like, my goodness, I don't know if you saw Frank Saravalli's report earlier today. But um, the uh, the Sharks uh, had sent Kevin LeBanc agent a note saying, hey, we're going to put him on waivers. So then their agent went out and he was calling teams saying, hey, like, maybe you should take a chance on this guy. I think he can be, you know what, uh, I think this guy's a chance to be a player again. And then the Sharks like, oh, you know what, we changed our mind. He's going to be in the lineup tonight. What? <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's Mickey Mouse hour for sure. Let's bring in. Our regular Thursday co-host to the show, of course, uh, he was the eighth overall pick in the 1995 draft right here in Edmonton, played for the uh, the Montreal Canadiens, of course, uh, has a, a few uh, world championships in ball hockey, and uh, now has his own podcast, Tales of TR, and maybe most importantly, stars on Shorzy, which uh, rumors are season three could be coming. They're nearing the end of uh, season two right now. Terry Ryan joins us. TR, how you doing? Good. Good to be with you again today. How are you, buddy? I'm great. You know what? Uh, I'm very good. There's a. It's a good time of uh, of the year. There's so much happening as a sports fan. NFL, CFL, MLB. You know, NBA is right around the corner. The WNBA just uh, wrapped up uh, last night. Uh, the NHL, of course. Now we're into the second week. You start uh, angst maybe uh, creeps in a little bit more for some teams like Seattle. Seattle's game number five. 
and they're 0-3-1 tonight. And it might be too early for a must-win game, but it's pretty darn close, don't you think? Yeah, <clears throat> must-win, I guess, is one way to put it. And obviously it's not must-win, but it's certainly games that feel like that. And even though it's early on, you don't want that terrible streak. You know, you go through streaks, but to start the year on a streak, yeah. uh, you know, it just causes a lot of nervous tension for everybody involved, fans included. Oh, yeah, well, for a team that last year, Terry, man, those guys, they couldn't miss. They were scoring for fun. And uh, now maybe reality's kicked in. Like, I don't think they're going to be this bad offensively. But the the one concern I had about Seattle was I didn't think they could recapture their offensive magic that just seemed to uh, infest their entire lineup. It's just it's difficult to have everybody going for an entire year. It certainly is. And I know that there's a lot of veterans on the team, but the franchise is is still real young, right? So... There's something to be said about the fit. Like, and I'm sure, no, I mean, it's a great fit. But I mean, for every player, even though last year was a great run, you know, even if you're in your second year, third year, you're still kind of wading the waters a little bit. Um, I think, for example, it's harder to predict where Seattle will finish than many other teams just because one year was one way. They've only been around for a couple or three, is it? And, you know, it's been a bit of a yo-yo. But they do have a good foundation. I don't see them. I wouldn't hit the panic button. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of good teams, a lot of new players presenting themselves. You don't want to start this this poorly. And uh, I'm just not sold. I know they played well last year, but I'm not sold on Seattle making the playoffs. Oh, God. No, I didn't have him in there either. The Edmonton Orders are in Philadelphia tonight, uh, a very unique city. Uh, the first time I went to Philly, I was blown away at just how high the bridges were that they had there. I was floored by it. It was, it was amazing. Like, honestly, it's one of the beautiful, it's a beautiful city that I've been to. Now, the fans can be pretty harsh there. Uh, you know what? Uh, they'll get on people for sure. Uh, when you're going well, though, uh, players will say there's maybe no better place to play. Uh, they're two and one, respectable, but I look up and down their lineup and I look at, like, I went line by line, orders line, flyers line, uh, for defense. Um, you know, th- this is a game the order should win and they've done a really good job of doing that lately. Uh, they're going to stick with their, their top line tonight, Terry, because their second line was great on Tuesday night, yeah. right? Like, it was great. And I don't, I don't know if, if they're going to score that often, but what did you like best about the Nugent Hopkins Hyman Fogel trio against Nashville? Uh, they looked really comfortable. They look like they, they've, they've been playing together. This was game like 78 and they were playing together all year. That's, it seemed to me like, you know, it's, it's early and even the best players around the league, you'll see hiccups, you'll see streaks, you'll see inconsistency. I don't know. They just, they really played a good game. I thought they worked hard. They worked hard, but they worked smart. Um, and a lot of people saw the move by Woodcroft as a panic button, but you know, whenever you need goals, you know, it just showed me that you could put Dreisaitl and, and McDavid together. Not that we didn't see that before, but it just solidified a lot of fans' opinions that, you know, you can put them together and you're not going to lose much sometimes on depth depending on how you approach the game. It didn't seem to me that they weren't deep and they had two of the best players in the world on one line. <clears throat> yeah, well, hey, they're um, that, that's the thing. And it, it's kind of funny that Mc, by his standards, which are obviously very high, McDavid's yet to have one of his McDavid-like games. And so, you know, you're kind of just sitting there waiting for when it's going to happen. It might be tonight. It might be Saturday. But you know it's coming. Just the numbers will tell us. Eventually, McDavid is is going to erupt and have one of those games where he dominates from start to finish. Yeah, you can see. It's funny because because of what all we, we all expect out of McDavid, like, He's the even in the last game he played great, but but there were there's been segments of each game. I'm not going to say sloppy, but it seems like he's either squeezing the stick or not vintage McDavid. He's still kind of working out the kinks. That's I guess what surprised me about the second line last game. They just look really fluent and uh, comfortable. Not that neither one of them had played together, and they're on the same team, obviously. But um, you know, I still get the feeling that no matter how good they looked, that McDavid is just ready ready to burst, you know, and, and not just, I don't just get that feeling because of stats and what's about to happen. I just mean watching the games. It's not like he hasn't had the puck on his stick mm-hmm. and it's not like, you know, he ha- they, they haven't been buzzing it around at times. It's looked, of course, disorganized going back to the first game, but 
you know, I don't think it's going to be any different, McDavid, than we've seen in the past, and I still predict him to get up around 150 points. Yeah. Uh, they, the orders bring in DeHarnay. He sat out two games. I don't even think he played poorly. It's just it's a numbers game. You're going to have to sit someone out when you have seven uh, defensemen. But put him in against Philly. I look at their their fourth line. You know what? Uh, they got some big guys there, the physical guys. Connectney likes to run around. Like you know what? Uh, it's still the NHL, Terry. And you know I could see at certain times why you'd put DeHarnay in the lineup, specifically against uh, the style that uh, that they play. But I think I could have made an argument, and I know that they don't love doing it, even though they did it lots last year. Their ideal choice is to still go twelve and six. But I haven't loved the play of Ryan and Yanmark. Adam Ernie, I think, has been the best fourth liner for sure since he's come in the lineup. Ryan and Yanmark, at least five on five, got to get going way more than what we've seen. Yanmark looked, uh, look, I know it's exhibition. Uh, I saw most of exhibition. I thought he looked great in exhibition or yes. one shade short of great. Now he's kind of playing tentative. It's bouncing off his stick. He's making poor decisions. I guess sometimes that happened, but I, 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 I didn't see that coming. After exhibition, I thought he'd uh, have it together a little bit more. Again, it's early. Um, going back to the Philly thing and having DeHarnay, first of all, yeah, if I was being set out now, I, I really wouldn't be that upset. I'd just go to the rink, bring my lunch pail, do my job, whatever that is, because they're still working out the kinks, and you're still kind of trying to see where guys fit. You have the general idea, but I wouldn't take that as an insult. And, of course, you got a guy who's 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, Philadelphia, no matter what kind of team they have, they're always going to have those fans, and everybody plays a little bit bigger. If I'm the Oilers tonight... Their penalty kill hasn't looked great. I, I just wouldn't. I try not to get sucked into anything, because the, the way Philly can be, you know, even I, I don't think Philly expects to make the playoffs this year. They're they're I think openly calling it a rebuilding year. Some people uh, in the media around the team, but still, it's Philadelphia. The fans are on you, and they can suck you in. And if you take penalties, it's the NHL. So for me, if I'm the Oilers, I probably look to stay out of that. And uh, you know, I, I guess try to have the same kind of start as you did last game. You know, they just seemed more into it. They seemed focused. They seemed determined. Uh, and the other two games, not so much. I look at uh, Jack Campbell, uh, excellent game in uh, Nashville on Tuesday. And really, you know, if you even go back to the, since the start of April, if you just look at, you know, the, the regular season playoff games from April on till now, preseason even, Jack Campbell's been pretty solid. And that would be such a huge boost for the Edmonton Orders. And obviously they want to get Stuart Skinner going because I don't think Stuart Skinner's going to be this bad. for the, like He's not going to have a 750 save percentage, right? Like he's going to come in and he'll play better again. But let's say Campbell stands on his head again tonight, Terry. Would you run with him against the Jets or do you not want Skinner sitting out a week so because he played last Saturday, you'd play him again Saturday? Campbell's playing tonight, and you're right. I mean, if you look at it, I thought about it earlier today. If you look at the sample size right right from exhibition, and I know exhibition isn't regular season, but for a goalie, I think it's the most similar it's going to be. These guys are still shooting on you. You got It's almost harder to stay in it because it's exhibition. So I do count a goalie stay. I mean, there's still NHL shooters coming in and shooting. I could see if you're a hitter, maybe, you know, not as many hits, or maybe if you're a fighter, not getting in a fight in exhibition, or if you're a scorer, ah, maybe I was squeezing the stick. I'm wait- But if you're a goalie, the shots are still coming at you, and there's still high-level NHL shots. Guys are trying to score. So if you go back to his exhibition games, they're, they really have one off night, and I think his numbers, I don't, I don't really work them out, but they must be great, so, you know, if you again, going back four or five games this particular season. So and and he's a guy that needs confidence, and the Oilers need someone. I, I, I Someone has to step up. I thought it was going to be Skinner, especially towards the end of last year, and Campbell has been up and down confidence-wise. He's too humble at times, but I, I, I'm glad he's playing tonight, but I think I think I'd go back to Skinner next game. Okay. I, I, I do. I, and not, not to take anything away from Campbell, even if he stands on his head tonight. But Skinner's right up there, too. And, you know, the same problem or issue with both goalies. You know, you want them to have confidence. You know they're good. You know, they're, Skinner, I mean, at times last year saved the hide of the Oilers. I mean, I can remember games he stood on his head and, and got him the two points, basically. So, you know, you want that uh, vibe to continue. Lastly, a uh, text comes in from Kyler. Hey, boy, speaking of Shores, it is TR Nowhere. One can get a nice Bulldogs number 14 Hitchcock jersey. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Well, there's one right behind me. Um, <laughs> 
that's actually I had to do some late late photo stuff over here. That's actually the jersey from the uh, show behind me. Okay, and, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're like, you know, wear it on the plane. Basically, <laughs> don't put it in the luggage with things that happen with the luggage nowadays. We need that jersey. Um, I I think you can get them online. A lot of people ask me that. We're kind of really not kind of we're disconnected from all that. Well, you might uh, have to look into there, it. Might have to look into it to get a, get, get some uh, increased sales out of uh, Edmonton and area. If uh, if you can let us know exactly where to go, you're right. Maybe I should buy a bunch myself and, and uh, sign them and <laughs> sell well, them. Who knows? Hey, you that, know? buddy. You know what? Uh, we do a lot of fun charity stuff, so we might have to. Uh, yeah. uh, we might have to look at getting a, a signed Bulldogs jersey, and, and you can hand deliver it when you come to town. There you go. Idea. I like that. I like it a lot. Uh, quick break. Uh, we'll return. Sean Merriman joins us next on Edmonton Sports Authority Sports 1440. 322. How are you? Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 live on Oilers Nation YouTube. It is, of course, game day. Oilers in Philly to take on the uh, Flyers. Jack Campbell will get the start. Uh, Vincent DeHarnay will draw back in in place of uh, Philip Forberg, Forsberg, or sorry, Broberg. But uh, obviously it's not due to poor play. It's just due, I think, DeHarnay, they wanted him in. Also, Philly's got a little bit more of a robust lineup, so uh, that's likely a few reasons why it's in. Let's get to our big guest of the day now, brought to you by Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, innovative market leader across Western Canada with properties including the Seattle Thunderbirds, Bruce Grove Saints, Silent Ride Charter Company, the Hockey Super League, and more. That is Silent Ice, and they uh, donate a lot back to the community as well. And a very special guest uh, joining us on the show. Of course, he was a a three-time pro bowler, two-time all-pro one of the best linebackers in uh, Chargers franchise history. Now he's involved in uh, mixed martial arts, uh, owns his own uh, own company. We'll get to all that. Talk some NFL with Sean Merriman. Sean, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, my man. How about yourself? Hey, I'm excellent. Um, I, I got to ask you, as a former defensive player, when you watch the NFL today, do you like? And I'm all for protecting players. But they've gone too far sometimes on this unnecessary roughness on the quarterback, haven't they? Like, is it has it gone a little bit too far? You, you know, it's uh, it's difficult, man. Because for me, this whole rule started. And I don't know if you guys remember or not. It was in two thousand what seven or eight when Brady went out, when Tom Brady went out with that knee injury, right? Yeah. And from that point on, they started to really protect the quarterback. And I get it because you want your big-name guys, right, your Tom Brady's, your Patrick Mahomes, your Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, you want these guys on the field because they drive your product. They drive the NFL. Um, as a defensive player, man, you start to look at these things like, how can I get this guy on the ground without getting the penalty, right? At the, it was a game this past Saturday, and the guy brought him down. But the defensive lineman, who I thought it was a perfect play, he was on the side of his body, he didn't land him fully, anything like that, and kind of just moved out the way. He got a flag, a penalty, 15 yards. And, you know, I, look, my nickname is like Child Man, so I'm not going to be for, uh, <laughs> you know, just playing soft and, and taking care of guys too much. But it's, it's becoming to a point where it's like, man, you're out there to play football, which is already a brutal sport. You got a guy that's possibly running at you full speed. You got a half a second to make a decision. What do you want guys to do? So at that point, it, it becomes rough to play the position. Oh, I would think so. Now, um, I do want to ask your thoughts as a defensive player on Mika Parsons. What impresses you most about him as a player? Um, well, first of all, I think Micah Parsons, and, I, and I, I hate to make these comparisons because I wore 56 for a reason. Uh, you know, Lawrence Taylor was my favorite player. Okay. Um, and I don't like to make comparisons at all, but when you talk about the speed, power, explosion, plus the size that he got, he's the closest thing that we've seen to a LT. Uh, and I'm not saying he is, but I'm, when you make a comparison about his, his ability to take a game over, um, you know, I was at that Chargers-Cowboys game this past Monday, and I knew at the end of the game <laughs> that if you didn't double-team Michael Parsons, that he was going to make a play, and he did. So there's very few guys on the defense side of the ball. I would say there's five to ten players who can actually take the game over and change the complexity of the game flows from a defense stand uh, from a defense position. That's hard to do, and it's only a few, a handful of guys that can do it. And he's one of them. Sean, it's great to talk to you. I gotta ask you, where did the name Lights Out come from, and when was the first appearance of the Lights Out sack dance? 
I was uh, my sophomore year in high school. I knocked out four players in a game. Um, and I wasn't expecting for 20 students to come up to me after the game. And they said, you know what, you knock these guys' lights out. And I said, wow, you know, call me like And the name stuck with me all the way through high school, college, and then the pros. Um, but it, the lights out dance didn't originate really uh, until my freshman year in college when I had a big hit against Georgia Tech. Uh, it was a, a ESPN night game. It was my first first time playing on TV, and that's when I kind of flicked the switch. And by the way, that me flicking the switch got me pulled out of the game and, and threatened to never play again by my, my head coach, Coach Regions. So uh, when I got to the pros, obviously celebrating and things like that was a little bit more legal, and that's when the whole you know kind of jumping up and down thing happened. Now speak. High school and college, at some point along the road, did someone inspire you, whether a coach or a player or a relative, to be a pass rusher? Well, you know, when I got to college, actually, my freshman year, I'd never had a sack in high school. I played, you know, kind of off the ball, middle and outside linebacker, so I never had a sack. So I literally didn't know how to pass rush at all when I got there. Um, and I, I stayed out to practice an hour every single day working on those dummies and hand combat drills, my takeoff, three-point. I never even lined up in a three-point stance before, so I had to learn these things as I go. But, you know, I, I got this analogy to use where, you know, you 10,000 hours of anything, you become a professional. And that's what I did, man. I just pass, rush, pass, rush, pass, rush. After practice, watch film of, of Bruce Smith and Lawrence Taylor, um, Derek Thomas, uh, Reggie White. I watched all of these guys profusely and just took a little bit from each each guy and I, you know, learned how to pass, rush the pass. Now, when you were watching them, Sean, because, you know, you can watch a ton of hours, but maybe not pick up what's, what's the right thing, right? So obviously you, you got to be pretty smart to see what you were picking up. Like, what was it you were looking for that you felt, okay, like, I know what my strengths are. Now I want to take it. Like, what did you learn early in those video sessions that allowed you to be better? Well, you know, one, Derek Thomas had that bend around the edge. Like, nobody in the history of the game had a bigger bend or a better bend around the corner when you're talking about bending the corner around those big offensive tackles than Derek Thomas. Um, it was a power of of, uh, of Reggie White uh, that he had, whether it was bull rushing or being able to club you by and hump a guy over. I picked that that part up from him. Lawrence Taylor, it was more like the intimidation factor, man. Like, people – like, Lawrence Taylor instilled – fear in the offenses and he did it by just demolishing anybody that got in front of him and he was a full goal for four quarters you've never seen Lawrence Taylor take a playoff and, and that part I picked up a lot from him and just watching him so you're right there'll never be another Lawrence Taylor there'll never be another Derek Thomas but if you start to pick up little things from their games and add it to what you already can do it, it's how you become you know in that position. Sean Merriman joins us, of course, a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro NFL player. And uh, we're going to get to MMA in a second, uh, Sean. But I, but I want to touch on, you know, when, when you watch those, those superstar guys, and, you know, obviously you became a pretty dominant player yourself. When you were in the trenches, did you know when you played, like, were there certain quarterbacks where you're like, man, if I hit this guy, he's going to get off his game. And then conversely, there was some, he said, man, I can crush this guy and he never, and it doesn't ever bother him. I, uh, when, when my freshman year in college, um, you know, I got pretty close with Ray Lewis. Um, actually, Ray Lewis's younger brother, Keon Ladmore, ended up uh, coming to play running back at the University of Maryland. Um, and Ray told me, he said, if you want to be great, you got to have great games against great quarterbacks. And so I took that to heart, man. I, I looked at Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, ben Roethlisberger, all those guys. I had to get multiple sacks. If you look at over the course of my career, I've always had multiple sacks against those guys because that's how you get mentioned up there with great. So, uh, yeah, man, it was it was that. You know, you had to go out and have these big games against these Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Was there anyone that that you ever like that you rocked? You're just like, man, like this guy, like he just he could take a hit maybe better than most quarterbacks. Uh, I, w- I would say Steve McNair, man. I-, I hit Steve McNair one time, and I just – it felt like I was running into a wall. <laughs> um, he- he- I mean, he was he was so strong. Uh, I remember one play, I had him by the legs. And I'm for sure – anybody else is a guaranteed sack. And I get up, and I was about to celebrate, and I looked up, and he threw the ball down the field 30 yards. And I was like, hold on, I had his legs, so he couldn't step into the throw. So how in the hell did he get the ball out of his hand? So I, I would say anything, Steve McNair was probably the hardest to bring down. Sean, after football, you start lights out extreme fighting. 
Um, why create your own organization, and how is it different than uh, many of its kind? Well, you know, coincidentally, man, uh, during the offseason between 2005 and 2006, I started to train with a lot of MMA guys because it was going, you know, they told me it would help my hand eye coordination of being more active. Uh, I think as a pass rush, you have to be violent with your hands. Um, so I started with Randy Gator, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, these guys. Uh, eventually, I got better with my hands. Now, I've been around the sport for so long, I ended up, uh, you know, had a passion for it, loved it. I launched Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Uh, we're on Fubo Sports, Fubo TV. If you guys don't have Fubo, get it. We got a huge fight coming up November 18th. Um, and, and, you know, for us, we have the next up-and-coming superstars, right? Like we know that a lot of these guys up-and-coming, they want to be seen, and they want to have an opportunity to get to the UFC. Well, we, we're providing a platform for them to do that. So um, it's been fun, man. I, you talk to any former, any former, former player, they'll tell you. The, they don't miss the money. They don't miss the politics. They miss the locker room. And so for me to still be around these guys and, and competing, I'm just leaving the gym right now. I just had a you know three-round sparring session with a guy. Uh, I still stay disciplined and, and, uh, and compete a little bit myself, man. So I, I love the sport. Uh, we're one of the fastest growing in, in the states, in the country, and uh, it's, it's been fun. So when you look at it and, you know, you kind of learn from it, you know, you watch, I'm sure you watch the other MMA um, out there. And obviously, you know, UFC is, is the big one right now. It's been around for a long time. But you're, you're starting to see, you know, there's a lot more pushback from the fighters, Sean. Um, when you, I think it's like 15 or 17 percent of, of the revenue goes to the fighters in UFC. And being a former NFL player, you know that, you know, you want it to at least be close to 50 percent, right, from the business side to the player side or, you know, in this case, in the fighter side. Do you, are, are you sensing that even, you know, at, uh, at your level that the more fighters like, OK, you know what? Um, we're done with them. We're looking to go elsewhere. Yeah, but, you know, right now, UFC is a big dog, right? Yeah. And I think that people fail to realize that uh, MMA has really only been around for about 20 or 25 years. And so the unions and the, and the pay scale and the uh, you know revenue, all that stuff is getting better. I, I mean, look, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the NFL players were complain, complaining about the same thing, right? Uh, we want more money. We want more guaranteed contracts. And so they'll eventually catch up. You know, NFL's been around a lot longer. NBA's been around a lot longer. Baseball's been around a lot longer. And it, it eventually will happen in MMA. Going back to the NFL, as Sean Merriman joins us. Um, when, when you watch the games, uh, Sean, like, are you still a Charger at heart? Like, do you, uh, do you have the, the, the Charger tattoo? Are you passionate when you watch the Chargers? I got a lot of tattoos, but I don't have the bulk yet. Um, but I, I am, man. I, I've, I've always, you know, I'm a charger, charger through and through. Um, you know, I, I still, I'm at every home game. I, you know, get a chance to work with the team. I talk to a lot of players. Uh, you know, just normally doing training camp, I'll go out there for a day or two and work with the young guys. And so that's my passion. I, I, I would never really admit combat sports and MMA now. My passion will always be on the football field because that's something that I've been doing since I was 10 years old. So anytime I get a chance to be around the guys, talk to them, coach them, give them some advice, man, I'll always be around the game. Sean, do you find any parallels between the business world that you've uh, started now, I guess, with Lights Out and the athletic, the world of being an athlete, a pro athlete? Yeah, you're still competing. <laughs> you know, it's um, – it's one of those things where this combat sports has gotten so uh, global and mainstream that you start to see some of these promotions and leagues pop up. So obviously it's a very competitive market. Um, but, you know, for us, uh, you know, I played the biggest, the biggest platform in, in the country, right? And that's in, in the U S and that's uh, the NFL. And so understanding production, going out to these big Sunday night, Monday night football games, there's nothing like it. So, being able to understand how production works and what I'm doing now, it made it a lot easier for me to make that transition, which is why, you know, we, you know, we've had 75% viewership jumps over the last couple of fights. Um, and people just starting to start to notice us. They starting to pay attention and, and find us and, and, and really tune in a lot. So that, that part of it is, is cool for me because, um, you know, we're showing Canada, France and Spain. And so whenever I, whenever I get a, a social media followers for people in France, I know it ain't because I, I play football. <laughs> I know it's coming from combat sports. Uh, how can people in Canada see it? Uh, Fubo. You know, Fubo's uh, airing up there. I think uh, you guys can get uh, Fubo uh, TV and Fubo Sports up there. And um, we this fight we have coming up in November, you got to catch this one. Uh, I got about two or three guys in this card. 
uh, that I know for sure will be moving on to the UFC after. But more importantly, we have a kid by the name of A.J. Hodgkins that played linebacker at Oregon. Uh, that is go- he's he's had another amateur fight. What if he's going to turn pro? But he'll be gone after three or four fights. He's too talented. And we have a lot of uh, former athletes from XFL, NFL, USFL that's transitioning into Lights Out Extreme fighting. So it, it's it's been fun. Sean, we really appreciate your time today. Uh, continued success. Uh, quickly, give me your thoughts on uh, on the Chargers. And uh, Connor Halley, my producer, is like a longtime diehard Chargers fan. He actually has a Merriman uh, Chargers jersey. He's got uh, pretty much all the, the great Charger players' jerseys uh, in his closet. He, he, I'm not sure there's somebody – like, can you explain to me how the Chargers – I don't know if there's a team in the NFL over the last decade who has more gut-wrenching close losses than the Chargers. How come? I just saw – you're right. I just saw the stat the other day, and I think they were number two in the past several years. Okay. Um, losing, I think, seven or eight games in, the, in this past year or so uh, by within seven points. And what they got to do at this point, they have to finish games. Look, you can play three quarters of bad football or mediocre football. Sometimes you're going to have to get ugly wins. And, you know, the first game of the year when they lost 36-34 to, to the Dolphins, you know, a shootout, you got to win the shootout. Uh, you got to figure out a way to close games out. You know, they, they didn't look that great against the Cowboys, but they also had an opportunity with two minutes yep. left at the end. You got to find a way to win those games, those tight games, because sometimes the ball just got to bounce your way, and it hasn't. Um, and so it's, it's unfortunate because you got a Justin Herbert, who is considered, in my opinion, a top three, top five quarterback in the NFL. Um, you got Cannon Island and, and all these, you know, superstars, Austin Eckler, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, the list goes on. So when you have that caliber of team, you got to win these games and not give them up. Is coaching a concern for you? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. I think that uh, Tom Telesco, the GM, the general manager, put, it, put together a hell of a roster. I think as a GM, that's the most you can do. You can't control uh, health, guys getting injured. You can't control as the season go on. Really, at that point, you, you know you got the players to go out and make plays. Now it has to be coaching. The coaching has to step up and put those guys into a better position. Um, at the Dolphins game when I was at, I think they had too many things on their plate as far as play calling on the defense side of the ball. You saw them coming up slow, not thinking, not playing fast. And my opinion, man, you got to scale back. You got to scale back. Let your big play guys go out and put them in position to make plays. And right now, I don't think they are. I don't think they're in a position to make the plays they should be. Awesome stuff, Sean. Thanks so much for your time. Continued success. You got it. Thanks for having me. That is uh, Sean Merritt. Really well-spoken. Really well-spoken. Love his thoughts on the uh, defensive player. And I love his, his whole analogy, uh, DR. Like, sometimes, even when you're a really talented player, you know what? Sometimes easiest thing. You just got to, you know, sometimes... It helps looking at what the best players do, and every sport's a little different. Like, I know people will watch, well, geez, I watch Connor McDavid. I can't skate like Connor McDavid. True. However, you might be able to take small things from his game. You can take small things from Drysaddle's game, you know, or if you're a defenseman, Makar, whoever you want, and just do it over and over and over again. Uh, where do you come out on, you know, maybe just watching video as much as, and then trying to take what you see and put it into action? I think. It's brilliant. I think every athlete should do it. We used to have to rely on, I mean, when I first heard video, honestly, and I, I was kind of in that generation that it was starting. I mean, I'm sure it was around in the 80s. I don't think it has as prominent a role in a dressing room. I remember being in the mid-90s in Montreal and the minors, wherever I was, and guys kind of talking about it like it was fairly new. And, you know, it advanced every year pretty crazy, the video replay. Or, the, sorry, I'm talking about video chalk talk in the room, you know. Yeah. So I still call it chalk talk. But and I, I remember being – this is a big-time tool, right? Like two or three years after complaining, I was like, okay, actually, this works. And now I've got – look, my daughter – Who's that soccer now? She comes home, she watches YouTube, and there's lots of these, you know, little tutorials how to do one move or another move, or this is what Ronaldo does, or this is what, this is the move you saw in the 96 World Cup, or, you know, when it comes to soccer, you can do the same thing. I'm going to have a guy on my podcast soon. I've never met him, uh, Pavel Barber. I think his oh, name yeah, is Brandon yeah. Barber. Yeah. He's one of those guys, one of those magicians, of course. Now, you know, he didn't go very far in hockey, so he probably needed to work on his defensive game or he wasn't physical, but whatever it might be, but he has something to give. Obviously this guy's got magician like hands that a lot of players, like I'm sure Trevor Zegers knows who he is, you know, players like that. So there's always an influence, but now I find 
you can take advantage of that at any given moment. Like everything now is 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 immediate. Um, just like you can stream a movie, I can go out and work on any move. I can see it from anybody whenever I want, right? So there's always a level of video education. If, if I was a young athlete now, I mean, I'm 46 and I still do that. I still look at different plays and what I would have done just naturally. And, you know, Penny Lane will go over it. I don't, you know, sit there and, and, and I'm not a crazy parent about it, but she likes to watch them. And we'll pick certain videos, and I'm sure she becomes a better soccer player because of it, as Zegris became a better player, and not just him or Nick Suzuki or whatever young up-and-comer, uh, Austin Matthews, you know. There's always an influence. I believe Matthews is from Phoenix. So unless that team doesn't go there from Winnipeg, he doesn't see Shane Doan, who's his hero. Uh, he doesn't see NHLers shooting the puck every day. I'm sure he had his own clinics, but, you know, and I'm just using that as an example. Connor McDavid had somebody that he looked at when he was younger and tried to emulate. And now that you can do it just on demand, I think is a tool that every young athlete should use. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you on Sports 1440 live on Orders Nation uh, YouTube. We'll come back. We got uh, Ryan's rant uh, later on today. Uh, also, we're going to hear from uh, Speck. Uh, he'll be joining us uh, a little bit uh, later on in the show. We have uh, Ladislav Schmid. And more, and we'll go uh, racing on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. La la, welcome back Thursday afternoon on the Jason Gregor Show on Sports 1440. Edmonton Oilers on the road tonight, uh, getting set to take on the Philadelphia Flyers uh, about uh, two hours away from uh, puck drop tonight. Uh, course jack campbell if you missed it he will get the start uh, vincent deharnay comes in for uh, philip broberg uh, deharnay adds a little size also just uh you know don't want him sitting out too long so i get it i will say this though if uh, the big man plays well because broberg played well his last game if the big man plays well i know it's not ideal but i'd go 11 and 7 just to send a message i need more out of ryan and yanmark uh, they don't even have a shot on goal yet through three games uh, i think adam ernie on the fourth line has been the most noticeable player five on five by far uh, amongst those three in the last two games. So uh, that'll be something to watch for. Uh, for me, uh, nobody in the top nine uh, I'd even consider for a moment uh, taken out of the lineup. Uh, we got uh, lots of text to get to, 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. Uh, hey, guys, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on uh, the orders looking at uh, John Gibson? Do you think that's ever realistic option from Frank? I do not, Frank. Um, number one, I'm not sold that John Gibson's a better option at this point. Uh, he's more expensive than uh, either one of the order's goaltenders uh, right now. And I, I don't know if he wants playing Cannon anyway, but he just he hasn't played very well the last few years. So he, he's not the guy I would look at at all. TR, what about you? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. No, I agree. I um, I think there's a few holes. I don't know. I, is he consistent? He doesn't seem it to me. He's been on a bad team, so it's easy, easy to disguise that. But no, I don't think that it's this huge upgrade. I think you'd have the same thing. I think Skinner and Campbell are good. It's just inconsistency. We still, this far in, don't really know where we're at, right? That's how inconsistent they've been. Well, I don't think he's any different. So, no, the answer is no. Fair. Um, 
A guy like Vincent DeHarnay, first game, you know what? Uh, he kind of went after uh, uh, Dakota getting a scrap. They tried to set the tone early. And that was early in the game in Vancouver. It was a 0 0 game at that point. And uh, you're going to Philly tonight. Uh, you've been sitting out for two games. Not that he has to be f- like a fighter by any stretch to stay in the lineup because he fought and he got taken out of the lineup. But, you know, we all see what's happening on the blue line right now. There's, there's six, there's seven D men. You got five kind of veteran guys and then you got DeHarnay and Broberg. And so if you're Vincent DeHarnay in that position, TR, like what, how do you ensure that you don't try to do too much tonight, which ends up backfiring? Yeah. That does end up backfiring. I think it's easier not to, to, to not do too much when you're that big because you can have a presence and, you know, like, of course, stepping up and, and, and fighting was, was good, of course, for, for him in that certain situation. It's not always good. Um, but if I can relate it to, to, to being an oppos- opposing player, like I remember I played against Matthew Barnaby a few times, and we got in a fight. But if, if, we, if we weren't going to fight, I really wasn't worried about him being physically imposing. His checks weren't over, you know, they weren't Scott Stevens, yeah. even fighting. He wasn't hitting me like Ty Domi, but, you know, I got to be ready. Okay, he's a pretty good fighter. Okay. But if he doesn't fight, okay, I'm just playing a game. You know, I'm not scared or worried about going in the corner. and I'm probably a little bit even bigger on the same. So, you know, I'll get the puck first. or It's just however much work I put into it. But for a big guy like that, you can be physically imposing and not ever drop your gloves. I just remember going, oh, God, like... We're playing against Sammy Helenas again. Like, there's no way. <laughs> this is going to be a hard, you know, Semelinas didn't even fight that much. He fought me once, but, you know, it's 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 that. It's just, be, you know, you're big. There's a presence Yeah. Um, for me to just be. And he's good at just getting it out of the zone, making that pass. Don't try too much because just being that big, you're going to make an impact. Just the puck's going to come to you. You're going to have to cut down roots. You're going to have to go in the corner. You're going to have to angle people off. You're going to have to come out with the puck. And, you know. That makes a difference. If you're six inches taller than everybody, then you should be first on it. The percentages should be much up over 50% when it's a puck battle. Those things, the little things that only a big man can do. Yeah, and he is huge, right? Like, play to his mm. strengths, no question. Uh, that's what he needs to do uh, tonight, I think, for, uh, for the Edmonton Orders. Like, I, I, the Orders, this is not a game. There's not, there's no one to be intimidated by. They, they don't have a real marker that you're like, okay, we really got to slow down this guy, right? Which is kind of the advantage for Edmonton. There's very few games that they go into where there's anyone that you would even concern that matches. Obviously, it's McKinnon, Rantanen, right? Austin Matthews, there's some guys, David Pasternak, sure. But most times, the Orders have the offensive advantage. And to me, like, I've noticed they've given up a lot from the slot, right? And, uh, a lot of it's come off the rush, no question. But when you look at it, you know, I see people, everybody talk about, oh, you know what, they're taking time to adjust to this new defensive system. Like, there's not that many defensive systems at the end of the day, Terry. Is there, like, is this system that drastically different that it should take this long to understand? I don't ever remember there being any, you know, played under a lot of systems. And even now, I know a lot of coaches, and God, I scouted for a while. So, yeah, my finger's still on the pulse when it comes to systems and coaches implementing them. But, no, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that there's many that it, they're NHL players. They're usually some level of familiar, familiarity, whether they're coming from another NHL team, college or junior. I don't think there's a lot by that point that will blow you away different than every other system you've ever played. And especially defensively, a lot of it's just effort and positioning. So I used to find it might not be as fun, but I adapted to the defensive stuff quicker. I think a lot of people did because, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's mostly hard work positioning. You know, you're reacting to, to where the puck is and what you're supposed to do. And, you know, one practice and some video probably – you should be set straight. Yeah, like I don't – at times I think it gets overblown. Oh, it's a new defensive system, so it's this massive change. Like, you know what? There, there's only so many ways to play defense, and you've probably played on a different team under a different coach and similarity at some point. And um, that, that doesn't mean that there's maybe little small nuances. And the other thing about a defensive system is 
there are certain little tweaks where at certain times you want to do this. It's not like it's just, okay, we only play this defensive system come hell or high water. Like, I know the orders, they had certain plays last year when they had the winger on the boards, and if he would circle back and the defenseman was with him, if that winger circled back all the way to the blue line with the puck, then they wanted the defenseman to go with them and not switch, right? But if a... If you had the if the winger was up there and the and the guy was low and then you could switch off on the boards you would do it right so there's only certain times they did it so I don't know maybe there's some nuance to this but I've been watching closely like I watched the game in Nashville and I, I look at Edmonton and I don't see that my bigger issue is how much they've given up the rush to be honest. Not so much their defensive zone. I find that they're giving up, you know, and I know they changed to a one-one-three, but it's more so off a of transition that they don't have even the, the neutral zone covered. That's where they're getting killed. For me, well, killed's the wrong word, but where they're giving up too much is off the rush. So how do they limit that in your eyes? Yeah, when you when you said <clears throat> that's that's a good point. Like, and when you first asked about the system, like first of all, a lot of these defensive breakdowns I don't think have much to do with the system. Thank you. It's either lazy plays or people that are out of position, no matter what system you're doing, right? Some some of those plays don't work in any system, so you can't really go back to that. Um, and the rush, yeah, it's you know, you, how do you you're in the NHL? How, how do you limit turnovers? You know, you just be a little bit less careless. Mm-hmm. When I'm watching the, the Oilers and their mistakes. Again, it, it, these are mistakes that a peewee team has made. I'm, I, I don't want to – it's three games in, so you're asking me a question, but I'm not hitting the panic button. But if you're asking, the, the mistakes I see are obvious. I don't think it has to do with the, the system breaking down after two minutes of crazy cycles by Vancouver. Uh, you know, and in Nashville, there was less of that. Voila, less goals. You know, I, I think that they, these guys are veterans, too. You know that they're they're out there and they're they're coached well. They know they're going to hear it. So I, I I believe it's it's young and or the season's young. They're working out the kinks, and I do see. I, I can't see these these mistakes continuing. And no, I don't think it has much to do with the system. I like some of the changes they made. I don't mind the one one three. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, uh, but you know the Mount Pearl Junior Blades do that too. Right. So, and there's not guys up there all over the ice yeah. complaining. So so my question would be this then, Terry. Early in the season, how much of it is just simply rust and guys, you know, getting back into the swing of things? Like, does it take a few games, like more than three, five or whatever, until you're like, okay, and I know we played some preseason games, but let's be real. Preseason games are played like 60, 70% maybe, right? And lots of them aren't even against full NHL players. And we've talked about it, except for the goalies. They're kind of the asterisks in this. But how... When you were there, you played, I don't care if you're playing the American League and the NHL, did you find the first five or seven games were just that sloppy because guys maybe just, not that they've forgotten, but their instincts aren't as crisp as they normally would be? I'll tell you, for me, you're asking me for me. So, And I used to talk about this with other players. I remember having this conversation with Matt Higgins, who was the first-round pick the year after me. Uh, And... um, I remember being so ready and going to Montreal early every year, like in August at least, and, and if not, like Sweden in July to work on my skating. And so I remember saying, geez, Higgy, like I couldn't be any more ready. Like what, what am I doing out here? I'm, you know, after like a bad practice, it's overreaction Monday at camp or whatever it would be or early in the season. And Higgy brought up a good point to me back then, and I've never forgotten it. He said for him it was more getting used to playing with different players, e- even if – and I remember it really resonating with me because it took me a while. Like, say, I don't know, but my favorite winger of the era, I guess. I played with Damon Lankow for two or three years, and we had ultra success. But I remember, like, the season ending and then coming home and, like, practicing with my buddies. And then I'd have another bit of chemistry with Kurt Walsh, right, from CBS. We played together growing up. But then when I went to camp, I'd be playing with Kurt. I'm like, you know, it's different. Yeah. A right winger with a big-time shot shoots right. Then a centerman that shoots left that relies on speed and smarts. So, and even though it's summer hockey... That resonated with me because I know I know that to be true for myself. I, I I couldn't have been any more ready for some of those seasons because I knew it was my job, and you're biting at the bit. But it was more like squeezing the stick, and then, you know, who am I going to play with? And almost respect. You know, you want to get out there with a guy like say if you're young, you're Holloway, right? For me, I wanted to get out there with Koivu or Reki or Damfus. Uh, you know, this is why I'm here. Like, but. but Every single time, man, I'd be, I'd be like, oh my god, I gotta give it to Mark Recchi. Like it took yeah. me 
two or three practices at least that, sometimes 10 games. And it wouldn't have to be up there. It was in the minors, I remember, playing with David Ling, who was a great minor leaguer and played in the NHL for 100 games plus. And he was just had a real reputation. He was a real, real magician out there. And I, it took me like 10 games because I'd always be like trying to feed it to Linger. And then, you know, eventually, you know, you get confidence and you start making the hockey play. So, yeah, that's a long way to answer. But it, it wasn't rust so much as just get, getting into a rhythm. Yeah, no, no, that, and that's fair, and I, I think that's something you always have to uh, consider early on in a season. Uh, we'll come back. We got uh, Ryan's rant, uh, Mark Spector, five questions and more in the uh, third hour of the Jason Greger Show on Sports fourteen forty and live on Oilers Nation YouTube. Let's get to the con man. Sports fourteen forty update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Now remember, when the weather hits seven degrees for seven days, that's the good time to get your tire changed. And trust me, that's coming. It's not the snow on the ground. It's the temperature change that matters more as a signal to change your tires. Book your tire change now at FountainTire.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 